This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouse and South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer in the Palatial 680 The Fans Studios. I am Eric Quintana. Next to me, Mr. Josh Bagrianski. And it's a sad, it's a sad Wednesday it is for sad. us. It's a sad week. Although One I, week ago, we had hope. Have you? That's true. And you know, since, Even right now, at this moment, one week ago, we had hope. We had hope before you crushed it. And it's even weird because since then, I've been up and down on these sugar high and crashes because I have all this Halloween candy in my house. Oh, jeez. So basically, I've been... You know, in, on a different planet since it, I just feel totally different since the season ended. I'm trying to get rid of these skittles and try, and I'm just I've already been so emotional with the season ending, and now I'm just up and down with these these sugar rush and crash and basically turning into the brain of a ten year old uh, as we suffer. But let's not talk too much about uh, the sugar rush here. Let's talk about Eric, who just ran out of the studio. Uh, bad, my bad. The, the coward he is. I, I didn't know if I had pushed record or not. On the, <laughs> so, so, uh, so Eric, who just ran out of the studio because he didn't remember if he clicked, uh, clicked record or not, I think he ran out because you know it's coming. When we opened the show last week, when we had quote-unquote hope, you said something that ruined Atlanta United's season and cemented your status as the Dread God and to blame for everything that went wrong this year. I am Eric Quintana, next to me, Josh Bagrianski, and across from me, the table, and in the building itself, Mr. Sam Franco. Gentlemen, Eastern Conference champions. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Eastern Conference oh, finals. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, God, you've jinxed us. Oh. You have jinxed us 10 seconds. Can we seconds? start over? No. Can we start over? Absolutely not. 10 seconds Can into we the start show. Over? Opening up the show last week saying, gentlemen, Eastern Conference champions. I did it. Uh, which, of course, we were the 2018 Eastern Conference champions. And uh, what's amazing about this, Eric, is the season is bookended this year by epic curses that you placed on the team. This all began in February, the Arediano <laughs> leg one match. You going on air and saying, if guarantee. It, and you're saying, if Elena doesn't win this, I don't remember the exact quote, but basically saying, if they don't win this by multiple goals, they should be ashamed. They should kill this team from Costa Rica. You got destroyed in the first leg, and then the season ended. Which, based with on how you, the second leg went, you should have destroyed him in the first leg. But right, no, that's right, that's, but, but that goes to show that it's your impact. <laughs> oh, the curse is real. That it is you, and then the season ends, of course, with a much more damaging uh, move from Eric as he can declares I, I Atlanta United Eastern Conference you, champions prematurely. They go on to lose to a Toronto team that amassed .1 xg. I don't know what that is, but expected goals. <laughs> you should get analytics. We should we should just do analytics every podcast for the next month to punish you because you hate stats so much. I do. I do hate. Th- I, hate I do hate those numbers. And you know why I hate those numbers? You know why I hate those numbers? Goal chain. Because by 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 XG standards, yeah. Atlanta United should have absolutely just absolutely crushed Toronto FC. Correct. Well, they should have won the game at least. Sure. Yeah. And Toronto should have well, not not won the game. That's football, mate. I mean, you know, okay, I, so. You know, you, you keep saying this curse, and, and I want to get into this. Sure. I'm starting to believe you. Well, I mean. Here's why. <laughs> Proof is in the pudding. Typically in like a curse or a spell, there's like a series of things you do. Mm-hmm. First thing I said, I, accident, I accidentally said, I accidentally triggered the curse. It's like when you open that mystery, your mysterious book and you just read a passage, and all of a sudden, all the, 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 the boogie people come out of the right, closets right, right, in the right. scary movies. Just like that. So, I accidentally said... Atlanta United Eastern Conference champs. Yep. Champions, I think, was the exact phrase. Mm-hmm. That was step one in the in the curse, in the spell that I placed on yeah, Atlanta United. No doubt. The second thing happened before the game even kicked off. Oh, there's more. You did in something the press else. Box. Oh, we have breaking news here. This was also accidental, but nonetheless, it triggered the curse. What did you do? I broke the handle on the ice cream machine. You broke the ice cream machine in the press I box. I broke... The magnificent, the magisterial Carvel ice cream machine. And you all know what slobs media members are. You're lucky you weren't thrown out of the press box by, by a couple of those the guys. The entire handle. I just went down to put, to, I wanted the chocolate. I was going to swirl it up. 
Ping. Actually, I do remember Doug Robertson tweeting yeah, that you broke. Yeah, he called me out on it. Literally. He wanted me removed. We saw before the, you saw he all the. He was done with me. All the great, brilliant minds covering Atlanta United in the press box were spending their pregame talking about Eric breaking the ice cream machine. That's true. So double curse from you and just. Um, See, everyone wants to break this down with, with numbers and, and with, and with you know, what they saw on the field. And really, this was over from the beginning. I, that's what we were. I mean, that's kind United. of what we were afraid of. That's what we said when the we, went, we went cursed. off the air last week. The champions were cursed, and there was no, no there was no reversing that. Well, there you, you could have not done it. You know, I, it was an accident. I could figure I, out how to. I, I could figure out how to edit. It was an accident, or use a computer, and then we could just kick you off I the podcast. I didn't know. You didn't know. You've been doing it all year. It was an accident. I, you know, Both things that, were accidents. And that's really the debate here. There's there's no debate that you're to blame. The question is whether you've been doing this on purpose the whole time or not. And and, and trying to act like, you know, oh, you're so upset. I think the debate now is whether, you know, whether you actually are the Dread God or not. Because the Dread God doesn't do anything. He does everything on purpose. You no, know, teams that do lose big games make for better content on radio. That's true. And podcasts. No, I agree. This is, I, I think the best. But that's not to say I wanted this to happen. I did not want this to happen. I went to the game <laughs> on a high. I left the game on a low. Well, I'd say the only. Just like everyone else. Literally the only uh, saving grace from this was that we got to come the next week and pin it all on you. Uh, that's been, I think, our best running storyline of the year, which again goes to show you that you're getting. Pretty consistently mediocre content from us, but our our, <laughs> our best storyline all year. Don't, don't like that. Has don't been, like our that. best storyline all year has definitely been Eric screwing everything up, and uh, you hurt Frank. You hurt Ezekiel Barco in the mid middle of the season, saying he was in the you know the, the best form uh, 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 in turning things around for Atlanta United. And he, all right, so really, he what, got injured two three days later. The, the solution going into twenty twenty is that I just come here and don't say a word. Well then, but, I just show up. But then Sam would talk. True. I don't know. I don't think I can handle the pressure of just me and Sam, and you just sitting there, looking at him and me with your judgmental eyes. I'll, I'll just—I'm uh, only allowed to do grunts. <laughs> you don't know if it's for or against, but you'll say something. Like, mm. You have a good grunt. Mm. You should—that's pretty good. I mean, you're a CrossFit guy, so we know you got a good mm. grunt. And then Sam says yeah. something. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. And you say something. You can't. You can't screw us if you're if you're not speaking English. You can't screw the team over. So, I just can't believe you did this to us. And then I've just been depressed eating chocolate and Skittles for the last week. I really want to. All because I'm, I'm of trying, you. I'm trying to find a way to share the the opening, whatever the opening segment of the. Uh, it's two minutes. It's the the intro, and then <laughs> a good minute and a half of me just going off. Not going off, but it was just having fun with the whole. We lost. Thing. Oh, from the radio show. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if you don't know, we have a radio show. We have a radio show. Tuesdays, 7 o'clock. Yeah. Atlanta Sports Move X. to Tuesdays. If, Move to if Tuesdays. You are missing Wednesdays to Tuesdays. Yeah. Wednesdays so if Wednesday was the issue, Tuesday's no longer, or Wednesday's no longer the issue. Going up on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep, that's right. So uh, tune in. What what was your monologue? No, you had I a little just, opening monologue. You it, told it was, me this uh, before we went on. You had a little opening a, monologue. It wasn't necessarily, uh, monologue is probably a bad way of phrasing it, but it was like a little, uh, just a little thing I did where I, I cried. You cried. Really, that was it. Wow. Well, you should you should cry. That's the only thing that makes me feel better is that you cried yourself into oblivion after ruining the season. It wasn't fun. I mean, just think about how different things could have been, y'all, if it wasn't for Eric. Really, it's my fault. If I just figured out how to use a computer, I could do all this by myself, and we wouldn't need him. Really, but you guys, you guys just need to push me out of the podcast. Eric is that's a. Really, uh, that's really the answer. Eric is a, a essential part of the podcast because he is the reason uh, that it actually goes goes. You know, goes to air that you can actually hear it. So, unfortunately, we're in a bit of a conundrum here where removing you means no more podcast. So, a uh, bit of breaking news. I don't know if this is going to add to Uh-oh. the uh, to the fuel of my curse. This is Paul Tenorio, friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's right. Reporting with Sam Stagecole. Elaine United has agreed to trade Darlington Nagby to the Columbus crew in a deal that is expected to bring a significant haul of allocation money. What? What? As of eight fifty six. Are you serious? Tonight. The timing. So now Nagby is gone because of you. Is uncanny. <laughs> so now you've cost us Matt Nagby. I can't. I, I, I can't. I, I, oh I truly wish there was a way. I guess you could watch the YouTube video and, and know for sure that we recorded. We started the show five minutes before this happened. This is not. Not this knowing. Is not, planned. not knowing that we were going to oh do this. Oh my god! Oh my god! 
So that's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so you you got rid of. Uh, I can't. I can't believe it. Moment so of silence for Doug. We've Nagy. been li- we've been live for like five minutes. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to like the meat and potatoes oh of the podcast. Oh my god. Ugh. it's not good. I got. Whatever. I'm we, so like, mad we, I mean, we expected this wow. to happen. Though, wow! Right? Wow! 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 We expected Darling to not get I wasn't move expecting on. it to happen when we were. Uh, I'm totally unprepared for this. <laughs> I, oh, I, oh, I, because it's happening now, it's yeah. my fault. If it happened tomorrow, I'd be like, ah, oh, you know what? We all knew it was going to happen. But now, yes, correct. in the middle of the podcast, the curse continues. Yes, yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah, sorry, guys. Nagby is gone. Wow. Um, well, re- uh, reportedly. Well, okay, it's going to happen. Come on. Yeah. He wanted the move. Caleb Porter is like probably salivating to, to get his buddy back. And look, good and, for, look. If they pay Nagby, I, I, good for him. He deserves it. I, I, wow. I, I find it hard to believe. And I wonder how. I wonder what kind of a. I wonder if Elaine and I try to come back with a with a better offer or some kind of offer to keep him here because it's kind of it's it's, it sucks to think that he. He's leaving just like that. I guess not just like that, but. Well, because we'll get this is interesting. Money, so. Um. Wow. Should we just jump into this late? This literally coming out now. So let's let's so start with let's stick first. with Toronto, <laughs> and I will try to read a little bit about this, and uh, we can assess this in about twenty minutes. Well, Sound we good? can we, look. We we've all heard the talking points at this point a week later about the, about the uh, about the match and and what what happened exactly. Lane United dominated possession, dominated the, the the flow of the game, and Toronto FC in their two moments of the match. Found a way to get one past Brad Guzan. Couple, uh, one curling shot, one from outside the box. Um, probably two shots, and then any other any other moment of the season is either over the goal or going wide. And in this match, you know, Toronto FC flipped the coin and landed on heads both times. I just like feel it, like it, 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 it's it, it sucks for Atlanta United because because they, they played so well. <laughs> Frank DeBoer was asked after the match why he didn't sub Tito in earlier, why he waited till the 80th minute. And Frank DeBoer's answer was kind of hilarious. It was in Spanish, but his, his answer was kind of hilarious. It's like, did, did you see you dominate? Did you see us dominating the match? Did you see how the match went out? Did yeah. you watch the match? I think it was exactly exact word. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it, <clears throat> as I said, I, I can't, I can't be mad at the way they played. I can only be mad at the two moments where they just switched off, and yeah. they even switched off. I don't even think uh, uh, the first goal was was a, a switch off. I think it was just kind of like a a, a lucky moment. The second goal. From Nick DeLeon was that was a that was a switch off. Both you got to step Julian to the Gressel, ball there. Julian Gressel and Lorenowitz. I'm convinced well, both center backs. I'm convinced that both of them thought that the other had had you had, what's marking the match. There are actually a total of four players that could step to the ball. I mean, take nothing away from the finish, but it really is one of those matches where, and and these things happen in soccer where, you know, Atlanta United I think clearly deserved to win. Greg Vanny admitted as much afterwards, saying that Atlanta United controlled the match. And that's the thing about the single elimination playoff format is is these are the type of games you can go out on. And people are trying to compare this uh, in terms of being unlucky. People are trying to compare this to LAFC going out to Seattle. It's really not comparable. Seattle created opportunities against LAFC. You're literally talking about Toronto, four shots, three from outside the box. Uh, this is a game that you win nine times out of ten, and that's just an issue with the single elimination playoffs. I have no issue. I, I personally have no problem with it. I think it's been good for the league, but it hurts because that match, you know, it really felt like things were falling into place for an MLS Cup run, and really, when I look at that match, there's nothing to indicate to me that that wasn't the case. You saw yeah. a, a pragmatic team with the setup, controlling the tempo, strong and stout defensively. You get that early goal. Yeah, you're unlucky to miss the Joseph Martinez pen. But that match felt so much like, uh, and, and people are saying, oh, well, Lanyard didn't create a lot of chances. In a conference final match, there, there typically are not going to be a lot of chances. So the fact that you hold uh, Toronto to virtually nothing going forward and create enough for yourself to get an early goal, get an early pen, uh, I think this was clearly a game that Atlanta United deserved to win. And I really, despite the fact that, yes, on that winning goal, you would like, there are two or three players you would have liked to step to the ball. I really can't look at that performance and nitpick anything at all. You just got massively unlucky on two cracking finishes from Toronto FC. You saw Joseph miss a penalty, which he almost never does. It was just one of those nights. And unfortunately, that's all it takes to end your season in the current playoff format. Yeah, I, look, it sucks. It sucks. It um, 
there's not much more to say because I can't. I like you said, I can't really fault the play. You can fault the, the couple moments. Look, it, it was kind of it was kind of hilarious. I, I've been talking all year about how bad Atlanta United is against uh, teams at Bunker, and in the first five ten minutes in which Atlanta United had had all the fields to themselves essentially, where they could run up and down the field, do whatever they want, where Pity was balling out for again ten minutes. After those ten minutes, after the PK. Greg Vanny was like, "All right, well, we can't play like this. We can't. We're not going to. We're not going to stand a chance playing yeah. up and down the field like this. So, what do I do? Or what does he do? Drop all eleven guys behind the ball and see what happens. Yeah, pick out your pick your moments, and they and they, that's exactly what they did. Toronto FC picked out the exact. Well, I, look, I think it was a surprise to them too that in the two big moments they had, yeah. they they capitalized. No, and you could see look, in their there's reactions. Luck, there's a little bit of luck in that, and they again, and I think their reaction tell you everything, especially in the in the De Leon goal." It was like, oh, this is crazy. Because I think How's it, this if you're Atlanta and you say the two big moment, moments for your opposition are two strikes from outside the 18 yard box, then you say, okay, good. You know, and we'll tip our cap to you. And if you score one of them, little less both. So, I mean, it's just, you know, so, professional players do do good things on the field. I mean, it's as simple as that. I thought the setup was good, and I do want to address. Um, <clears throat> and we know this match has been talked to death, but. I do want to address, and you kind of touched on this, Eric, the idea that Frank DeBoer should have substituted earlier. All right. I don't, I, that, I think that's really, first of all, this is a very common, we've talked all year about kind of these common bland criticisms of coaches where they're playing too slowly, the team doesn't look motivated. Um, <clears throat> another thing you hear a lot is, why didn't you change things earlier? And uh, that's an easy thing to say after the match. Right. But I didn't really, f- like, why would you change things? Everything was working. During that time period where you're leading 1-0, you're, on, you're clearly on top. Like we said, Toronto is not looking dangerous, particularly in the attack. And I guess the consensus criticism from folks is that Tito should have come on. So if Tito comes on, you're either taking off Ezekiel Barco, your most influential attacker. PT, who was in stellar form. Julian Gressel, who had scored on the night and is your best chance creator on the pitch. Or Joseph Martinez, who we know is 100%. You're not taking Joseph Martinez off. Yeah. Or you would take him off for a defender or holding midfielder, which would totally throw off your balance during a match where you're already leading and you're not conceding chances going the other way. Well, you were, you were tied at that point. Well, now, people were saying t- bring Tito on, should have come on even before that. Tito came on immediately. Uh, After the or, sorry, excuse me, yes, right. You're saying, why didn't you, right, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm stupid. Why are you not bringing Tito on before the second goal? I'm thinking <clears throat> it's potentially a 120-minute match. You're completely in control of it. As I just mentioned, Toronto's not creating chances on the other end. And you're not going to take off one of those four attacking players for Tito Vijalba. You're just not, especially against a team that's going to bunker like that. Right. Toward so these, why would the you? Second half. Of why the match. would you take off a holding midfielder or an outside back and change your shape and lose your balance in a match you're controlling like that? It's certainly Tito Vijalba makes no difference whatsoever with Nick De Leon scoring from 25, 30 yards. So I just don't understand that criticism. It's easy to sit there and say you got to change it, you got to change it, but as Frank DeBoer said. Why would you want to change at that time when you're completely in control of the match? It just doesn't make sense to Both me. Both goals were surprised. Both goals were surprised. Yeah. It's not like it, it came from any kind of buildup. We can all talk about the Nagby, the Nagby foul, whatever. That was a good. The goal happened a good thirty seconds after that. That that all went down. You should be over that at that point. And you I should, and I get the I get the outrage because I too thought it was a foul. But as defenders, as professional athletes, yeah. you gotta you gotta get over that real quick and not let the guy. Open open themselves up into some space and take a shot like that from outside the box. Yeah, it was a it especially was a, when there's four of you in front of you. I, I, I whatever. I'm not. I'm I'm passive at this point because look, they did play well. I I think in regards to the Tito thing, I, I don't know what space you're going to play him into because if you're bringing him on, you want to open this game up, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, and that's why when you went down two one, you bring him in for Parkhurst because you got to go go yeah, crazy yeah, at that point. Just throwing all attackers I'm, and hope for the best. If you had made that sub at one one, I mean, people would be saying Frank DeBoer is crazy. I mean, can you imagine if you make that you sub saw, at one one, take look, off Parker for Tito and concede on the other end? You saw how effective, you saw how effective he was in the ten minutes that he did play, and it was absolutely zero. And I know it's just ten minutes; it's a little unfair to to to, to really uh, characterize his his play based off those ten minutes. But everything you saw that he did was exactly what I expected. I expected him to have to take a player one v one. I expect him to try to go around a player that wasn't going to work. I expect him to go at a player once and get defended well. And even if he had gotten past that first defender, which he never did, mm-hmm. he's got the next defender in front of him waiting for waiting to pounce on that on that ball. He's he, he it wasn't it wasn't going to be the play. It, that's that's not what you want to do. I would have rather seen Miriam in that situation. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I agree. But at that point, you're hoping that maybe the the the, 
everything opens up a little bit, which maybe that's that's dumb on Frank DeBoer's part. Because, if again, I, I, I want Miriam in there because he's good with the ball at his feet. He's good taking on defenders. Well, he's, at, least he's, at least he's a lot better than Tito in those moments. Nah, I mean, I still think it depends on the situation. I mean, I think Tito's the sub. If you're you if, put, when you, you go down, yeah, I, I think that, we, that like, power. we like we like the Tito in that moment because of his speed, which I thought again at that moment was useless because you knew they were gonna they were they were gonna put all eleven guys in the box, uh, and on top of that, you, you, every all, the fans at least love Tito Vijalba because he's got this capability. Everyone loves his capability of, of taking a, a a big rip from outside the box. Which think about in the three years he's been here, sure he hasn't had a lot of playing time this year. He's done that what twice. Yeah, I mean twice, it, and it feels like it. The, it's not like the it's a consistent. It's, it's not like it's a consistent thing for Tito Vijalba to take a rip from outside the box. He's done it in a couple key moments, and we love him for that. But it's not a consistent thing for him. He can do it, but so can Pity. So can Barco. Yeah. So and, can any of them. So can Miram. And Miram, I, we've seen Miram do it. I guess people could be saying you could have brought Miram on, but it's it's the same kind of. Same kind of thing with Tito. You're either going to completely change your shape and lose your balance, or you're going to bring him on for a, a better, a better attacking player yeah. at least this season. So, uh, I didn't get that. Uh, I thought Frank DeBoer and, and to kind of put a bow on the postseason. But I, at the same time, I think that's so, such a minimal thing to for me to crap on Tito. I just to to going back to your point to to be upset about the fact that he waited that long. I think it's kind of pointless. To bring Tito on, to bring Tito on that late, to weigh that. Well, long. I think it because was because you were down two one. I mean, at that I think point, you, I think at that point, yeah, exactly. You're throwing you everyone in the back, you're throwing and, everyone up front yeah. and hoping for the best. But that goes to show the. It wasn't. It wasn't. He he didn't throw Tito in because oh it, now now we're going to change the way this game is going to be played. Now we're going to no. It was we're just get as many attacking down. players on the field That's at once happened. as you yeah. can, and that kind of goes to show how your balance would have gotten thrown off if Tito had come on at one one for a defender. Uh, and obviously, like I said, you're not going to bring him in for one of those front four. I thought it was a great job by Frank DeBoer to recognize that he had the right 11 on the pitch. And also that the way Toronto was playing was allowing you to not really break a sweat, to kind of possess the ball, not have to sprint, you know, uh, defensively sprint back all the time. So you certainly weren't breaking much of a sweat, didn't get the idea there was much fatigue. And I think that one thing that if there is one thing I take from this postseason, it's that I really do trust Frank DeBoer as a manager now. I still wasn't really sold on him as the season rolled on. Obviously, there were good moments, some bad moments, but tactically, I thought he was spot on in all three matches. He, you know, he he pushed all the right buttons. Uh, you know, he played PT at the right time. I, I thought he played back three at the right time. He played back four at the right time. And in the end, you go out. You know, you I can't get on him tactically in a match where you concede four shots. Uh, and and not really any opportunities for the opposition. So I thought he got it right once again. And that's the main thing I would take from the postseason um, is even though people are jumping on Frank DeBoer a bit for not using that substitution, first of all, I disagree. And I would also say that it was that capped off, that correct decision on his part capped off a very, very strong uh, postseason for him as a coach and one that I think maybe gained some trust from the players a little bit. I think you saw the players, particularly on the defensive side, start to play a lot better than what we've seen. I think that goes to show some trust in Frank DeBoer and his system. Um, and, and hopefully that will continue that into next year and you'll see a more consistent uh, team from a system identity standpoint throughout the regular season next year. That's really the shame is that Frank DeBoer was this close and it's nothing he did wrong, at least in this last game. No. It's, he was this close to proving, he did prove me, he proved, in my eyes he proved everyone wrong. But even to those that still believe he's the he's the wrong choice for this team, he was this close to proving everyone yeah. wrong. And I mean, how, and again, it's not it's it, it's not his fault that that one Toronto just happened to get incredibly lucky in those two moments. Um, not incredibly lucky, but you know what I mean. No, I I, I would say incredibly lucky. Um, and then that Elena one couldn't finish a PK, and and Greg Vanny was smart enough to completely change the way. That yeah, Toronto but I just play. yeah, you're right. It, it, they it's, just got it lucky, was man. this close, this close to just. And I, I would have been right there applauding yeah. him. I would have been right there, rah rah, you the man. Did you think uh, since Throw it, up the middle it fingers, was revealed after the doubters. match, since it was revealed after the match that Joseph had a little hamstring? No, come on. And should he have not taken the penalty? He looked fine. Do you think he should have not taken the penalty? Think, I don't think he's that good of a penalty kick taker. I think he's he's the best one on the roster though. It well, I, I, I would say yes. I would still say. I mean, he's taken your most penalties. He's been consistent with them. You do not. I mean, I. You're not taking that ball to Joseph Martinez. Oh no, I don't think so either. And you know what? I would, I would rather even on at 100, percent he would be the guy on the pitch. I want to take that, take that penalty. I, I just think he, 
I don't know. Sometimes I just want to blast. I just want him to blast it into the into the corner. And it was really poorly taken. It really, and, and I think that's what sticks out is how bad it was taken. I yeah. think that's what's kind of clouding my judgment right now and, and saying that I don't think he's a great PK take, uh, taker. But I just want to see more of him I mean, blasting he, he it. He still like, made give me, like give 12 me the, in a row, give man, me the at assurance. one point. Don't loft it up there to where the keeper can easily save it. I think the ones that, the ones that look bad are really, really bad. The ones that look great are obviously awesome, yeah. but it, it's it's there's it was no a good between. save too. But he didn't get enough didn't get enough pace on it, and I mean that that was obviously a huge huge turning point in the match because you know I don't know I, the I'm majority not, of the time you're up two nil. I'm not putting yeah. I don't know I mean I don't know who else I'm putting in that position. I don't know. It, let's say Joseph's not in the game. I don't know who else I'm confident. Probably enough. be PT or Barco. Even pity, I'm not confident. Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, I mean, I'm, we, I'm more confident in Barco in doing uh, to do that. It's an interesting one, but I mean, you don't you don't take the penalty away from Joseph Martinez, but you know, it, that's that's the one thing you know because we were saying that you know so much of this, what can you do? You know, I mean, we, there's not much what you can do when, as I said, you play so well defensively and concede two goals like that. But the one thing you could have controlled is Joseph Martinez missing that penalty kick. Because if he makes that, it's 2 0. And I, I think that's I, game set match there very early on. I'm going to backtrack on the hall. He's not a good penalty kick taker. I think he's good. I think, but he is in a bit. Yeah, but, he is. But good. he just, I, I think that he. He's missed probably. It's not, that he's, it's not that he's bad. He's just missing more often lately. Yeah, I think he's. I mean, and, that, and those are sticking out a lot more. Those are, those are sticking out more a lot more than 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 obviously the good ones that he makes. He's I think the, that, that's how I'll revise what I what I say. Yeah, he's definitely not. Uh, he was that not in his best run of form from the spot of late. But again, I love the way uh, Pitty no one played. else on the pitch. Love, I'd rather take that. I love the way Pity played early on. I love the way Nagby played throughout the entire match. I love the way the, the oh, Nagby, line, huh? Yeah, yeah Nagby. I mean, we got to get into it after you chased Nagby out of town. I didn't do that. Okay. That was that was even before talks of 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 broken ice cream machines and Eastern Conference champions. He wanted out. <laughs> he wanted back to Columbus back in the summer. Whoever wanted out to Columbus, anyways. I mean, I know I, look, who went I, to Akron I, I, I and that's his paid. home, but uh, I so let's. Paid. I guess I mean yes. Yeah, so, so overall on the season, before we get into the Nagby stuff, and I think pretty much because this is something we said we're going to talk about at the end of the year. Um, I mean, to me, this was a wildly successful season based on the Same. discussions we were having back in April, May, even June, July, August um, about this team and to still get USO. I, Campiones Cup is, is nice to say two trophies, cool, but US Open Cup is really, I think, one to hang your hat on. It's and not, then, but if it were just Campiones Cup, you'd think a lot differently. Like, oh, who really, who cares? Right. But the fact that it's Campiones Cup, US Open Cup, and yeah. because you were asked, well, you went as far as you did, given how the season went overall in the, uh, in the playoffs, and you were. Just this close from getting yeah. into the Eastern Conference, uh, hosting I, another another MLS Cup and final. And I think you saw that all makes it a lot better. And I think you saw a solidity in the postseason that you saw in twenty in, in twenty eighteen. Uh, so you saw that again. This is a team that understands how to switch on in a different way uh, in postseason and knockout soccer, that type of thing. As we saw, obviously with the U.S. Open Cup, and then into the playoffs as well. So I think that this year, in the end is a massive step forward because the first year where you really face some adversity and you and you came out the other end with two trophies and playing maybe your best soccer of the season come playoff time. And you okay. just got unlucky in the conference finals. Let me ask you, it's an incredibly lazy podcast thing to do. That's typically what we do. So Yes. What grades would you give Frank DeBoer, uh, Atlanta United, the team, the players, the collective team, uh, and then Pity Martinez himself? <laughs> single out PD because we got to I'd give DeBoer a B plus okay uh, I had I was, I, I was gonna give him about an A minus yeah I had him I had him more like C plus B minus I, if he gets I, the MLS Cup ML, oh, winning yeah. MLS Cup would have been A plus I don't care how the season went getting to it would have been A because he yeah. couldn't get there A minus and the way you were playing at the end to me was particularly for postseason soccer was 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 A A plus stuff but I think some of the, he definitely made some mistakes early in the year I think he the the criticism he had of himself was pretty valid where he where he kind of said he maybe was trying to force his way a little bit too much and you could see that push and pull between him and the players and they found a way to kind of meet each other halfway and make it work I also thought that the NYCFC match, uh, the last NYCFC match in the season, where it ended up not making a huge difference, but it was a you had a chance to get the number one seed in the East at that point, and just got the tactics incredibly wrong. Played Tito Vijal but left wing back. Uh, so so I, th- this was not a season where 
the manager didn't make mistakes. I think DeBoer made some pretty big ones, but he the, the way he finished the year and the way, like I said, he was able to find a healthy medium between his system and the players who had become accustomed to Tata Martino and what he brought to the table really, really was it was it was a good piece of managing from him. Um, the team in general, probably also a B plus. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I I'm think in that, in that same. Yeah, thing. I mean, I, I think the expectation is probably. Um, I mean, to me, the expectation every year is to at least make MLS Cup for Land United, uh, so that would make you an A minus or an A. But like I said, the way you finished the season, the way you played in the playoffs gives me very little reason not to believe in this team again next year to make a run. And then, of course, like we said, U.S. Open Cup, Campiones Cup, something nice to hang your hat on as well. You still got some silverware. PT, that's this, the This fun. is going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to give him a... Mm. Can, I, can I go first? So it, Yeah, yeah. First of all, is this based on PT's expectations? This is based off what you saw on the field. Okay, you go, you go first. I, I give him... A barely a passing grade, C minus, just enough to get credit for the class. I was gonna give him a little more than that. I was gonna give him a, I'll give him a B minus because of his playoff performance from a C plus. I think his passing was great. You you really I, saw I, I, how I, good I, he was in the post. I mean, he really is. I know it's a cliche thing, but he really did play best in the big games. He really did. No, yeah, no. There's no um, doubting that. Yeah. So that's the reason I think I'd knock his grade up a bit. But, you know, the, in the mid part of the season where uh, you were missing Joseph Martinez for a small period of time uh, on international duty and you were missing Ezekiel Barco for a long period of time, that was his time to step up and put the team on his back. And he failed miserably during that period of time and made it clear to us, and we talked about it a lot, that this is a guy who's a fine player, but he's a luxury player. You know, that he was not the glue guy. He was not the guy that kind of brought the team together and influenced the attack uh, and get, in terms of getting control of the tempo because during that time where you didn't have Joseph uh, and then certainly when you didn't have Barco, there was just no cohesion going forward. Yeah. He doesn't give you a lot defensively. So he d- don't get it twisted. He had some very, very poor stretches of form during the season where the team really needed him to play better. That being said, when the team was at full strength, I do think he had to play his way into fitness a little bit as the season went on. You really saw the, saw the best of him, and I thought he was fantastic in the postseason and a big reason that you're playing such good uh, soccer throughout that time. Yeah, it's uh, I'm C minus because I again I wanted more from him. I wanted I wanted uh, sure he contributed at times. He had moments, but overall it was just you know if he made an impact, it was I think it was barely an impact. Do you Bare, think barely, in the sense that he he. Like you said, he he wasn't a guy that uh, that you could really count on. You didn't yeah. know what kind of pity you were going to get, and and really, his best his best okay sure he in the big games he has best moments, but outside of those moments, outside of U.S. Open Cup, outside of uh, Campeones Cup, you really didn't get much else out of him, even in the big games. Yeah, not on a consistent season. enough no, basis either. So, but I, and then I think the question now becomes because I do think that he, his papers all read, but you, you think he he's did, gone? He did. That's the thing I don't know. I I. Look, I don't know what what team is looking at and thinking, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a great value to our team. I, I really don't. I do think there might be some people that say we can get him at a relatively low value right now because he are, might want to sure. leave and Atlanta might be looking to offload him. There's a great article uh, on Dirty South Soccer uh, where uh, Rob Usry and uh, Joe Patrick are uh, esteemed uh, managing editors basically just go through all the attackers and put their chances of leaving down there. And look, you know, these guys, uh, these two guys, they're just speculating, but... These they both have some inside connections, sure. and they both put PT Martinez chances of leaving at eighty percent. They basically did a little percentage of of every player's chances of leaving. They put it at eighty percent. Uh, Joe said he thinks a very high chance of him leaving in a perfect world. He'd have come and dom- dominated MLS, but he didn't. And now I think the reason we probably won't see him back is that it's a move that seems likely beneficial. And then he also brings up that. Uh, you want uh, Atlanta might want his designated player designation uh, removed from the books. Um, so I, I think so, it com- I think it comes down to two things. Mm-hmm. Frank DeVore after the game said that he has been in talks with Carlos uh, uh, Carlos Bocanegra about moves he wants to make next year or 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 I- ideas, mm-hmm. not not anything specific uh, because it would be way too inappropriate, way too soon to have that conversation. But just ideas as to what he's looking for, what kind of players he'd like. Um, Kind of giving uh, Carlos a kind of a guide as to what 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 he should be looking for out there in, in you know in the market. 
Mm-hmm. I think that this situation, you can look at it a lot like when 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 you want to trade in a car and you got like negative equity on the car. You know, what's a respectable loss here? What? I mean, I, I what's, think what's I, a respectable and what are you getting in return? The reality so is, what, what, though, what are you going? That's true. What are you going to bring in in return for for you know essentially admitting that we we missed it on 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 pity? And the thing because is, because if, if the next one is 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 everything we wanted in pity and more, then. You know, you even if it's even if you take a massive loss on pity, fine. You made up for it in the next year. Yeah, I mean, well, he's going to be really tough. I mean, he's going to be difficult to move, and that's why I don't think he's moving. He hasn't played well enough to take the next step to a bigger club like Miguel Amiron, say, where Newcastle can come in and you double your profit from the original or whatever it was from the original transfer fee. That's not the case here. If PT is going to go somewhere, all the rumors have been back to South America, and I don't see no, any of those can, clubs who, yeah, paying the same can, amount. So you, You'd have to expect Daniels and Carlos to be like, all right, well, we completely give up on, I mean, on, on trying ba- to make pity. I, I mean, and, and that could happen. I mean, that that could happen, and I could, I don't know, I could see a yeah, totally I, valid argument for doing that. I think that would first come from Frank DeBoer, and then Carlos would be like, I can't really disagree, and then Dan would be like, "Guys, well, we gotta try." And, and then Frank DeBoer would then go back to Carlos. Carlos would then go back to Darren. They'd have another meeting, and then be like, "Guys, we really this is not. We're not gonna have a good future if we depend on pity next year." And if, but the thing that's if, how that conversation. If you're would have going to, go. to sell him and lose that much profit, Arthur Blank is gonna have to sign off on that too. I don't know. Look, because I, you're I, if you're you're gonna have if you're gonna sell a guy for that much less profit that. That's the owner is going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa! I think we're I think, spending fifteen million dollars on this guy and then shipping him back one year for two million dollars. At the very least, he's going to say, if I if I see this happen again and, and again, I know you're not doing your job right. So I think that at the same time, you're going to have to go to the owner and say, are you willing to take this hit? I think normally, to an average team, that's the conversation you have. But Atlanta United has had success. No, and in I three think years and I think it. Arthur Blank might say, cool. You know this. This is part. This is I part think, of the game. First of all, if, if, if anyone you thinks say it's best for the team, if anyone thinks that Arthur Blank has has his hand in Atlanta United, I, I think you're absolutely wrong. I, think I agree, but this than, this is than, a case where he would, where he's going to say, "I, I, I just lost thirteen million dollars." I disagree. But you're look. I'm just saying, Eric. You, there's no way. I, no, no. You're going to sell him without go without. This is maybe one of the one time where they're going to say, "Look, Mr. Blank, we this guy. It's not working which for him. Is, it's not working is, for us." You're, you're, we're going to have to take the hit on this, which one. is why I don't think he he'll go. I think he would sign off. I mean, end. I think I think clearly he trusts those guys. I think that one more year, one good off season under Frank DeBoer, pity because I'm not necessarily convinced that Pity thought he was going to be playing for Frank DeBoer. I think he's he's said as much. I think I think it's it's said that Atlanta didn't know who exactly. the coach was going to be when he when he. So that I, no, no no. What I, I mean is what I mean is that I, I think that I think that he had, was the impression it was going to be a squad. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe he assumed that. So, I with that in mind, sure, you're going to pull the trigger on Atlanta United, given everything else, everything else that that just happened the year before. With that change, you kind of get you kind of shocked the system. The way the season started, the way that things just didn't pan out in Atlanta for, uh, at first, the 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 disagreements, the back and forth between player and coach. Maybe with the full off season, maybe with with a, a better game plan going into the middle of the season or going into the season, maybe with a a uh, again an established coach who can take the full off season and and develop better one he wants to do, communicate everything he wants out of his players a, a little bit better. I I don't think. Look, I don't know if I I really trust because Atlanta United's got or Arthur Blank's got a lot to do with uh, what's going on with the Falcons and Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. Dan Quinn should be gone, and he hasn't pulled the trigger on that. There's no there is no reason. This is like this is like trying to try. This is like going into your final exam, knowing that no matter what, you're going to fail. You're going to fail the class. You get a hundred, you're still going to fail the class. This is what keeping Dan Quinn on the uh, on the Falcons is like. Mm-hmm. That being the case, that being the mindset that 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 I guess Arthur Blank has with the Falcons right now, I, why would why would any, why would you expect anything to be different? I don't think it's going to be an Arthur Blank decision. I think it's ultimately going to be a Darren Eels, Carlos Bocanegra decision that that is uh, pushed. By Frank DeBoer. I think Frank DeBoer is going to implant the thought, and then Carlos Bocanegra and, and, and Darren Eels are going to talk about it. They're going to weigh the yeah. options. They're going to see what's out there. And if there's a good deal, they're going to take it. I'm not I'm not saying that they wouldn't consider options, especially at a, a, yeah. even if it's a little bit of a loss. Sure. But whatever you're bringing in has to be— There's a loan has, option always. Whatever, whatever, whatever you're bringing in has to be—it's got to be Frank DeBoer's guy. That way, yeah. if that doesn't work out— 
That was Frank DeBoer's right. guy. Yeah. So That's I think, not on us. And I think with PT, I mean, I would put, you know, they've got him at 80%. I would, I'm more between 50 and 60% because I, even, even if he wants to go, and I actually think that after the postseason, I think I feel a lot better about him coming back next year. I don't think you'll have the same growing pain issues as this year, but I would put it more like 50 to 60%. Of course, these guys actually have some inside information. Now, the other one that's interesting to me is, is Ezekiel Barco. I think one of the silver, the only silver lining of him missing time this year is I think if he had played all year long, had that performance he had in the U-20 World Cup, I think you'd be seeing rumors about him oh, going sure. to Europe the same way you were with Miguel Amiron last year. And in, in some ways, maybe even at a higher valuation because he's significantly younger. I think at now, because he's still a little bit flying under the radar, I, I put it more like, 15-20% that Barco goes. I think next January, he's gone. 100%. But I assuming, think... Is that, assuming he has a really assu- good season. Right. Well, really you know good, how I feel about Ezekiel Barco. A really good full season. Can, I like I like Barco. Hey, he can't put a foot wrong. He's brilliant. He's brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Just stop getting hurt all the time. Right. Well, I know he's not... I know he has really and no and con- he missed some international... For the international I, I know he doesn't have that much control over right. it, but I mean... You right. Gotta, you, you, gotta you, able, injured him. Yeah. you gotta be able to prove that you can put a full season together, right. otherwise no one's gonna pay you. Yeah, well, and I think... Or well, they're not gonna pay you that much. If he... If and I will just go ahead... Well, I'm not gonna... No. I think if he does that next year, I'm confident that he will, uh, he will have a massively high valuation, and that valuation would be way up there right now uh, if, if he had simply played the full season, because, I mean, we've seen the different... I mean, it was so clear how much more cohesive Atlanta United were when Ezekiel Barco played attacking and defensively yeah. um, because he added a little bit of balance and with his work rate. And I mean, he's a player that, yeah, I put him at like I would say he's 10, more, 15 percent chance he, to leave. He's but. more vital to Atlanta United than, than Nagby is right now. Yeah, no question. Obviously, because Nagby's getting traded. Then the other one, by bef- default, before, but. We, before we go to Nagby, uh, who, Eric, if you... Uh, uh, just joining us, Eric uh, forced Darlington Nagby out of Atlanta United at the beginning of the podcast. I told him, he, um, I told him it'd be a good idea. <laughs> That's what I did. That might have been a way to actually convince him to stay if you told him it was a good idea. The and then he would have, yeah, do the opposite. It's like the have sign, you seen the, the snow in Columbus? It's beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful winters up there. I gotta say, asking for a trade to Columbus has got to be a first. Got to be a first, dude. I, U.S. U.S. Mexico game in Columbus. Yeah, that was the coldest night of my life. Oh yeah. Legit. Which one? Which, which one did you go to? Uh, the first of the uh, the hex. Oh, the famous Klinsman, where he switched to the yeah. system they never pl- played before. And okay, yeah, I, the be- basically the beginning of the end for. Th- oh my God! So you're also to blame for the U.S. Men's National. You know what? I didn't think about it that way. But wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> the beginning of the end. I was there. Wow! Yeah, you were. Okay. Trying to think what I did. So 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 as far as Tito goes, Rob Usri again on the Dirty South Soccer. First of all, has it brings a good point. There's no clear picture of his contract status. Remember that he was a designated player, but then he got uh, then he got bought down. Uh, so we don't even know what his contract status Vigalba? is as well. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, gone. he's gone. I'd leave for him. And then and then also uh, Joe brought up a good point that uh, uh, it basically the, the the Tito kind of the media got the feeling. And I think the outside did too that Tito kind of represented uh, one of the players that was clearly part of the old guard and didn't fit. Uh, Frank DeBoer's system. So, you know, between the fact we don't know what his he contracts... Was, he, was, he was this year's Kenwin Jones. Oh, God. You are... Re- <laughs> that is really harsh, man. That is really No, in the, really in the sense that he just didn't fit the system. That's what I meant, dude. Well, Kenwin Jones didn't fit the system because he couldn't move 10 yards. That's uh, it's just very it's harsh. A different, it's a different kind of not very, fit the system. Very, It's harsh. a different kind of not fit the system. Very but harsh. it's in that same category. At least Tito can run. Yes. Okay. I agree. That was very... Like a gazelle. So I'm putting, yeah, I say 99% chance he's gone. And I, think, and I think he'd be doing his career to serve. What I would days. hate would be if he went to someone else in MLS. Because, I mean, if, oh, I if, if you... <laughs> right, well, of course you wouldn't. I wouldn't. But I think, you know, if he can stay fit and you put him in the right system with his pace, speed, power, I think he can be a, he could be a terror for somebody. But I think he's almost definitely gone. I think, I think he would prove my point. If he went to another we'll MLS see. club, we'll see. And then, of course, uh, Joseph he needs, Martinez. He, he needs to go back to South America where they just fly up and down the field. Right. That's his. That's his. Joseph that's Martinez. His, that's where he's at. So 0% chance of leaving. And then they have uh, other fringe players they go over as well if you want to check it out. Really good article 
on Dirty South Soccer were uh, Rob and Joe. And again, these are two guys that do have some inside information. They're just speculating here, so that, but but you know, there's a little more I think to their opinion. It's some, certainly something I would trust. Don't forget, reported in the preseason by Dirty South Soccer uh, by these guys, sources telling you that Darlington Nagby was asking for a trade to Columbus. And uh, where does he end up going as soon as the season ends? I would speculate that quite clearly during that, I guess that was about a week or two period where it seemed like he'd been dropped. And I, I don't even think he was training uh, for a period of time. I think it was pretty clear. Yeah, you st- I would think it was during the All-Star yeah. break, maybe? No, no, no. It was preseason. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I think Atlanta United probably came to him and said, look, man, let's get through this year, and, and we'll get you to Columbus. So, uh, Darlington Nagby to Columbus, at least you reportedly. Now, yeah, because they were out uh, in California, right? Yeah, yep. at least reportedly. Yeah, right, he didn't go to California with them. Uh, at least reportedly from the Athletics, Paul Tenorio and Sam, Sam is it Stage Call, as you stage said. Yep. Um, so, we don't know the numbers on this yet, but it's being called one of the largest uh, amounts of allocation money in MLS history, uh, the largest uh, trade for allocation money. Uh, do you know who it was for and who made that trade? No. It was Orlando City for Dom, Dom Dwyer for $1.6 million, uh, in allocation money, including... Uh, uh, yeah, basically reaching as high as $1.6 million in allocation money if he reached certain incentives. The other one is Chicago. I just had a dirty uh, $1.2 million in Game and Tam for David Akam. What are these teams doing? I, I just had a really dirty thought. And then, of course, Columbus Crew, $1.05, uh, $1.1 million basically from, from Orlando for Justin Miram. God, Orlando just you know what, screwing up all over this you list. You know what I really want to happen? What? I want you to go to Orlando. Jesus Christ. Is it the worst thing? Well, we've not been talking about that. I Are know. you paying attention? It, we're talking about Orlando. We're talking about Darlington. We're talking Nagby. about Orlando. Okay, well, okay. So, I, I kind of want Tito to Well, go. according I, I to what we see to to here, they're going to give us like $8 million in TAM for <laughs> Tito, so I'm down. But that's great that two of the three deals. Uh, so I'm saying highest... you overpay for him. We get we, we, we reap the benefits. Yeah, no, I agree. After what he's done to them, <laughs> they'll give anything to just get him off our roster. But So I think it's safe to say you're looking at. At minimum, a million in allocation money. So I think pretty clearly, and it's going to be interesting to see because Darlington Nagby is a player that's going to have to be replaced. You're going to have to bring someone in to replace the production that goes with him because Eric Rometty and even if Jeff Lorenowitz come back, those are more of holding midfielders. And the role that Darlington Nagby, I mean, we heard Frank DeBoer call him the best box-to-box mid in MLS yeah. at one point. Uh, he was that valuable, I think, to the team in terms of getting that balance where you can connect back to front with a guy that can play the ball out of the back under pressure and get you into the attack. Darlington Nagby was really the only player that could do that on the roster. And if you're going to play a system like Frank DeBoer wants where you're you wanting want to string a lot of passes together. So my thought is with the allocation money you're going to get here, surely that's going to go straight back into acquiring a number eight this offseason. So I think we're already looking Unless, for our first player, unless what? Unless you have confidence that you can develop Emerson Hyman, I think. But I don't think Hyman, and that's a good point, Eric, but I don't think Hyman can, he, I don't think he can play the same role as Nagby. I think Nagby's a slightly better defender than not Emerson Hyman. Not the same way. He does have similar skills as a passer. That's what, And that's what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm looking towards. I think that if you can develop the same sort of, uh, Ball at his feet, defend the uh, you know take take care of the ball as as well as Nagby did for the course of the full year, um, and for most of his career. If you can develop Emerson, I don't know they I don't know they can. I don't, I don't watch him practice every day, but if you can develop the, him to do that, then I would understand if they use this money to it's for something else. Mm-hmm. I think I think replacing Nagby is is going to it's going to turn twenty twenty into a a middle of the pack type of season. It, it, sorry, replacing Nagby is either going to make uh, 2020 either a middle of the pack type of season or it's going to be a MLS contender. Yeah, once because again. I mean, you could if hypothetically if, upgrade at that position, sure. go to South America. If you find someone that is is good, if not better than Nagby, which will be tough, but if you can find someone that, that does it, you're, you're an MLS contender right off the bat. If you don't, if you depend on a guy like Emerson Hyman, you bring in someone that doesn't pan out as well, then sure, you're middle of the pack. And it, it's not you, you don't, you're not having nearly the same success you had without Nagby. Nagby was that important to this team. He was, and I don't think Emerson Hyman can replace 
uh, replace what he left. I mean, Emerson Hyndman weighs like 135, 140 pounds. So I know they're about the same height, but Nag- Nagby weighs about 25, 30 pounds more than that. I don't think you can ask Emerson Hyndman. And I, I know Miguel we're talking. Almiron is like Let's 100 call. pounds So you're going to tell Miguel Almiron now. Wet. Right. Okay. No, no, no. I'm, right. I'm praising Well, well Lino Messi's Almiron. small too, so why can't Emerson saying, Hyndman do it? you could not take the ball off of Miguel Almiron. Yeah. yeah. Well, Emerson Hyndman's not as good as Miguel Almiron, I'm pretty sure. So just saying, you're just saying. Give him an off season. You're killing me, Quintana. Give him an off season, and he'll turn into Miguel Almiron. I'm not saying he's gonna turn into Miguel Almiron. <laughs> what I'm saying is that maybe he can. Who was also six de- three, by the way? Develop or what? No, not six three. He's not six three. Miguel Almiron, Miguel Almiron is is taller than, than that, though. Taller maybe than you can you can you can you can look if if you went into the off season saying, look, Hyman. Nah, he's only five ten. They're the same height. <laughs> Hyman, we're gonna ask you to do similar things to what Nagby did. Work on that this off season. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, you can't teach. I just don't think defensively he he can put in the shift that Nagby did. I just don't think he can. I think you have you have to go out. Now maybe net you play a more withdrawn midfield three, and you play Heinemann at the highest point of that, and play more of a double hold. You could do that. But I mean, it's important to remember that Nagby was basically filling the gap between whoever you were playing at the six, whether it was Lorenowitz or Remetti, he was basically connecting all on his own, basically I think, I, that I just, I position think, on the field to the final third in the attack. Reason, the reason I, I, I expect Hyman to essentially fill that role is because it's it's a tough tough thing to do to find someone that can replace Nagby for exactly the way he, for what exactly the way he did, what he did to this team. Yeah, but I, I think trust... That's a, that's a tough ask. I think, I'm sure there are, player, there, there are players out there, don't get me wrong. And I and, and the way you ask, find though. a player to replace a Nagby, and Atlanta's been so good at this, and I know you're going to hate this, Eric, but the way you find a player to do that is is is, is analytics, is stats, is finding oh, who, I'm not, who's a guy that completes... I don't crap on stats when it comes to, like... No, yeah, yeah, I know. figuring out how nice. talented players are, but those numbers exist. Those numbers are are, are valuable for a reason. And Atlanta to- United have been very good at, 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 I think, finding players who fit their system based on the data and the statistics available to them. But when it comes to bringing down a match based off analytics, right? I sure, I understand. That, I consider that all pointless. I you know, uh, pointless. Right. Anyways, and just ignore that. But uh, it just okay, go look at the analytics for the for the for for Eastern Conference Final. Right. Oh, no, no, the anecdotal there. evidence shows that this one time they was wrong. So never pay attention. Uh, the reality, though, is Eric. I, I do think you'll see Heinemann, Uh Maybe I think if he starts, I think it's going to be more of a two holding midfielders with him playing in front of them, as opposed to one holding midfielder and then expecting him to go box to box like Nagby was. Um, and I really think that I would look at that allocation money, and maybe the team even already has an idea of who they want to go for. I just that allocation money going right into a replacement for Darlington Nagby. I think there might be bigger needs than replacing. Getting a like for like for Darlington. Ooh, Nagby. I disagree, man. I, I think really it's, disagree. I think it's vital to find someone, but you need depth. You need a left back. I, I think you need a center mid before you need you, a left you, back. You though. might. You, you need a. You need a. Yeah, you need, sure. You need I a mean, center you, back. You just went to the you conference might, finals without you might a left need, back. You might need a left winger. I, none of that's more important than Nagby, man. I think this 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 is the. Uh, task two big tasks this offseason. The one is what do you if do with you, PT? If, if, if you this is the other you, one. How do you replace Darlington Nagby? I, I think that it might not look as good as what Nagby gave you, and I think it's hard even with whoever you bring in sure. to replace him. You're going to look even worse if you don't replace the left wing, if you don't replace left back, if you don't find someone that can find some depth pieces for uh, I don't, for, I, for either back I and think, a center back. I think if you don't replace Nagby, you go. You, the team is ma- is is easily worse than if you don't replace it. Those I'm not positions. saying I'm. I agree with you. They're not as good as they are with Nagby mm-hmm. in the team, on the team. But you're saying you'd be worse off not replacing Nagby and say PT goes and you don't replace him. I just want you to consider that there are other needs too. I didn't say there were other needs, but I I'm didn't saying, say you didn't. I, to I me, just, I just to, to 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 say that they're going to throw all this money into finding someone else. No, for I'm not Nagby. saying that. I'm saying okay. the fact that you got this much allocation money for him. It was clearly, or not clearly, but it seems since there were rumors in the preseason that maybe you came to Nagby and said, look, we'll let you go after the season is over. I think that shows, first of all, you've been looking for a replacement this whole time. You got all this Tam, Gam, whatever, Ram for him. You're going to put at least a large portion of that into, I'm not saying all of it, but you're going to put a portion of that, I think, right into replacing him. I think. I think. So, I mean, to me, that's you have two big tasks this offseason as of November 6th. And the the first one is what do you do with PT? Like we just said, that's a total mess because, and I'm and like I said, I'm totally open to him staying, but it seems like the uh, 
the the writing on the, the wall. writing. Yeah, I mean, it seems like things are pointing toward him leaving. But like you said, Eric, very uh, articulately, how do you get rid of someone that you just bought for this much? You know, and then you're gonna have to sell him for One much less. One year later, it's it's not. It would be different. If it was next year, right? No, no, yeah, and right. You had more playing time under his belt. Yeah. I because just, this means there's, you, just, there's just there's just nothing that I've seen that makes me think, ooh, look at him, right. and look at the value you can add to our team because right. he looked like crap. Because at least with, all with year. two seasons, you say, okay, we we really did invest in this guy. It didn't work out, but we really did invest in this guy and, and tried to get our money's worth. If it's one season, it's just admitting failure. Um, and again, I, it, we'll see how they handle it. That and now we see how do you p- replace the production uh, from Darlington Nagby? I think those are your two biggest. And most difficult task this off season uh, that that we'll have to take a look at. So, wow, Important. I, I can't believe this broke on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Wow, I guess. Wow, um, a couple of uh, key moments for Atlanta United this off season. I'm just if you want to go get a visual. Uh, hey, and one real quick, Eric, put some ahead. respect on Dirty South Soccer's name, okay? I feel like people, th- th- not me, I don't know anything, but Robin Joe, are you talking about me? No, no, oh. no, no, no. I'm just <laughs> saying like, you, <laughs> you you people out there who like to crap on Dirty South Soccer. You people. There was I mean, that was that was I mean, that was the outlet that we were the outlet that reported the Nagby scoring in preseason. Um so put some respect on our name. We we're you know, well, I'm not a respectable uh proper journal, but but some of the gut people there are and and when we report stuff it is it is based on something real. And you Romantic, Proof is in the pudding. Romantic overtures. Romantic overtures. Can't forget that one. Need, need I say more? All right. So um, a list of important dates. And if you want a visual uh, version of this, go to go to the AJC. Doug Robertson has a good uh, good kind of recap of everything that's coming up. November 11th, the day after MLS Cup. Uh, trade window will open at 1 p.m. That is probably when this Nagby thing will – well, it's not probably. It's when this Nagby thing is going to be made be official. official yeah. um, that trade window closes on the 13th at 8 p.m. Um, November 14th, the next day, the deadline to make contract extension offers to players. So for I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think when that opens up again because I'm trying to think of the mm. Gold Gressel situation. This will be the last time they have, I guess, for the 2019 yeah. calendar year, whatever, yeah. um, to offer Gressel a, an, an extension. Which uh, as we we'll, discussed, we won't, we won't, that nauseum. Yeah, we won't rehash this, but it, both parties would be idiots to even consider. Right. An extension. Wait and see what happens with the CBA. Uh, November 16th, the list of players available in the expansion draft um, will be made available at 10 a.m. And then later, there's a bunch of, you know, 19th is the expansion draft. 21 is the deadline for clubs to exercise contract options, um, which I think if if that's obviously a day that they would decide on, well, maybe before that, but that's the last day they would have to decide on Gressel. Um, if... Uh, Tito hey, you've has, got some money opened up with Nagby gone. If T, yeah, if Tito uh, has an uh, has an option, that's where you can exercise that if you want to. Um, I'm curious to how many players are 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 in that boat. November 22nd, that's November 21st. November 22nd, list of free agents are released, and then so on and so forth with reentry and waivers. And God, free it's so and confusing. Stuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, Atlanta. Look, Atlanta United. You can almost guarantee that, not just with the Nagby stuff, but November eleventh. Yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna make different moves. You're not just the Nagby stuff, yeah, but they're gonna make a couple other moves as well. I agree. Uh, we'll see what those moves are, but you can pretty pretty much bet your bottom dollar that they're going to, outside of just the Nagby stuff, they're going to they're going to be uh, active. Yeah, in that trade window, we'll have plenty to discuss next week because there should be. Well, sure. well, the Nagby thing should go official. Maybe we'll have some official numbers. Uh, on the allocation money coming back our way, and I, Which, I agree with you. I expect to see some other uh, personnel moves as well. Yeah, we'll see what it all looks like. Are you going to watch MLS Cup? I will. I'm not. I'm not. Do you watching. want like? Would you want Toronto to win? No, because <laughs> no, because I, I no because they the have Josie Toronto, Altador, I, I, wait, so. I hate the way that Toronto's done it. It's the Josie Altador and Michael Bradley thing, and then it's the fact that they've done this without Josie. Even Altador. if you look at the NYCFC game, I mean, their that first game, goal that was game a could be unbelievably shocking. Boring. Bad he, bad header back uh, against NYCFC, and then the, the horrible challenge from Matarita. I mean, they are they I were, mean, they incredibly were, fortunate over their last two matches. They were gifted to get. They were gifted the opportunity to play Atlanta United. Then Atlanta United. They just got incredibly lucky. And, and, and to their credit, I mean, a couple yeah. of great bits of quality sure. at least. But yeah, I mean, it was a, they had that they had the basically the conference semifinals handed to them, and then uh, conference finals they were able to ride their luck and come up with a couple bits of real quality that uh, 
you typically don't expect from any any uh, soccer team uh, consistently match to match, and they come up with it twice. So I'm not going to watch it. I'm I'm still too depressed, and uh, I hope Seattle wins. Hey, Schmetzer, uh, Brian Schmetzer. Uh, Loves his mama. USMN, US men's national team? No, come on. Get out I th- I, hey, I like this guy. I really like this guy. I, well, we'll talk on the offseason. I don't think it's about the coaching. I think it's about the players. I, oh, I, I agree. But I, I just, I think he, I think he's fantastic. You could throw, throw Klinsman back in there. Get the right players around Klinsman and you, sure. you're a success. I just think, uh, I mean, I really think he embodies the, the culture of American soccer and. Uh, Oh, he's an American. That's why. Well, yeah, he's an American guy. But also, there are you know there are a few unique elements I think to the American soccer identity, and certainly I think he embodies all of them, having been involved with the game for so long. Um, and then I think if you look at the way Seattle plays tactically, it's always been good, and we've seen him change his tactics as the personnel has improved over the last year or so with the the you know the arrival of a Rui Diaz, getting you know getting a Leardum, getting Joven Jones back. Um, so we've seen him change tactically to, to play a little more attractive football from what we've expected. So I think, uh, I don't know, this has nothing to do with the, the podcast, really, so you can edit it out if you want. But can we? Uh, can I we, think he might, other than Jesse Marshall, I think that might be the best American coach out there right now. Can we go back to Nagby just for a second? Yeah. What's your, gonna, what's your favorite moment about Nagby in an Atlanta United uniform? That's a great question. Like one moment. Or a series of moments mm. that kind of are, all, are encompassed in one. Do you have one in, in mind? Okay. That's a great. I think the the shoe phone picture. That's a that's a yeah, great. Yeah, him the and field, the Parker the shoe moment. phone stuff is great. Him and the. Uh, but it's funny because he's a guy on field where you don't think about one or two moments. You think about the, the quality, the same all, amazing overall. thing happening yeah. over and over and over and over again. So I have to think about it a little bit. Um, shoe phone that comes from Sam Jones on the uh, Dirty South Soccer Slack chat. Yeah. Shoe phone. Um, <laughs> I like shoe so, phone. So Joe Patrick basically says what you says. I only have one memory, uh, and it's one he did a million times of him shielding yeah. someone off and driving upfield. Sometimes I think me and Joe. <laughs> sometimes I think me same and Joe brains. are the same person. Same brains. <laughs> same brains. But yeah, I mean that's what I'll remember is is just uh, is just yeah. I mean the, his unbelievable ability. You know what I'll remember from the most, Eric. This is yet another American player that was misused by his managers at club and international level because he was such a talented young player that just felt you he had to be a number 10 or he had to be a playmaking wing when really he fits into this very specific role that he played for Atlanta United. I think that's what I'll remember is like, you know, kind of like what Joe said doing that same thing over and over again. That's because he was in a put in a position to do what he was so good to do over and over and over again, and not asked to do things that maybe he's not as good at. So think, that that's the main thing I'll remember about Darnton. I think Nagby is also a great uh Kind of a great guy, a great example of what you can do in American soccer because he's he's gone up the pipeline. Started with Akron at Cal- with Caleb Porter, ended up in MLS with with uh, with Portland. Yeah, moved to Atlanta United. Now he's going back to Colum- or going to Columbus to, to to reunite with Caleb Porter. He yeah. hasn't really gone overseas. Has he gone overseas at all? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Hasn't gone overseas. Been linked. Been linked with a couple of teams. Cel- he did the was U.S. Celtic. He did, he did the U.S. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. He did the U.S. Men's National Team, and and he's arguably the best player not on the team. Well, he is the best player not on the U.S. Men's National Team right now, or actively being called up on a regular basis by his own and doing. By his, his, sure, yeah, by his report, own doing. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a credit to what what you can do in American soccer. I think. Sure. I think that all the think crap, it's a fair all point. the crap by you not being able to make it within the college ranks um, is a bunch of crap at this. Well, not just because of his example, but you look at Julian Gressel who did the same thing, um, and there's a bunch of other examples. As it well. certainly can be done. It so. certainly can be done, and and uh, obviously he's reuniting with uh, his college coach Caleb Porter, uh, who I'm sure he's very thankful of being able to de- develop him, put him on the pro pathway out of college. And you know what? Another, I think the main. Time, the first time I really noticed Darlington Nagby was that preseason match in Nashville, which was played basically in a swimming pool, his, his, his first, uh, first season in Atlanta. And it wasn't even really a game because the ball wouldn't even move, couldn't move on the grass. It, it, was, it was really miserable. But Darlington Nagby was able to complete pass. I mean, he was the only guy that was still able to play his game on the field. And I was like, wow, this guy can really pass the ball, even yeah. on you know, a, a, a waterlogged baseball pitch in Nashville. Uh, that, that, that's a moment, the moment where I really first noticed him, like, wow, this guy can be really good playing where he's comfortable in the, in the, for Atlanta United. 
Okay, Tiro Football on the Slack chat says, honestly, for me, it's about Rob. Rob Ushery. This is the Dirty South Sorry. Soccer Slack chat we're just <laughs> he goes, pulling from right Rob, now, by the way. Rob was a bigger Nagby fan than an Atlanta United fan. Unbearably so all through 2017. He kept saying that we should sign Nagby, LL, it's true. et cetera. I think we should have been kicked out of Slack for disparaging Nagby right now. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. No, that's true. Rob Rob loves going to Nagby, and I, I think he was... Uh, yeah, he's well on oh, record saying he's 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 leaving us and going to uh, the massive report. Uh, to, to, yeah, Rob is yeah, part of Columbus now. <laughs> Rob, right? Well, um, if we don't have Rob, I think that might be the end of us. But, look, uh, he was. Uh, I think Joe mentioned it um, on on Twitter that uh, in the locker room, it, it looked as if the players were kind of saying yep. their final goodbyes yep. to him. So I think they all knew this was coming. That they all knew this again. Was more inside information from DSS. Yeah. So it's. Um, Look, he'll be missed. Uh, he's a player that'll be hard to replace. Um, but if Atlanta United can replace him, uh, as tough a task it is, it'll go a long way for Atlanta United to, for the continuity of what Atlanta United wants to do season in and season out. Um, there's a playing for uh, MLS Cups, making runs in the playoffs, um, U.S. Open Cup, all the sort. Certainly, he's a absolutely essential piece to all the success over the last two years. And we'll see how he changes and, Columbus because he's he's yeah. going to make an impact. We'll see how he changes Columbus, and hopefully. Look, honestly, just because Nagby just seems like such a, just a sweet dude, just based off the interactions you see you have with him in the locker room and stuff like that. Seems very well liked. The the way he kind of just, just, just handles himself off the field. Um, You hope that he doesn't walk into Columbus and just, it's, it's, you know, it's missing the playoffs, you, you know, the last few years of his career, all that stuff. You hope that he has success, even if it's, I hope. All the success from Nagby, not necessarily Columbus Crew, but just don't let it be at the hands of Atlanta United. That's all I ask. I, yeah, and we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting because a player like that really, particularly in the role that he was in for Atlanta, really shines when the personnel around him is good. Yeah. Um, and so who knows? I mean, hopefully he doesn't get forced, like I said, into a position where he's asked to do things that maybe he's not great at. Uh, because he's a middle third player, he's he's not a final third player. So, be interesting to see how Caleb Porter uses him. Best send, of luck to him. Send us your favorite Nagby moments uh, to social media at, at Eric G Quintana at MOTS Podcast. You can find me at Josh B nine one four. Anything else we didn't hit? No, I mean I just I'm just furious with you because I, I had oh, just I gotten over the fact you ruined the season and now Nagby's gone. So all right, well. Uh, next podcast we do, Barco's probably... If Barco gets sold and we do the next podcast, I quit. Gosh, it will be... I mean, that's... I'm we'll, becoming a Man United fan. The radio show is on Tuesday. In Orlando Tuesday. City we, fan. We, let's do it Tuesday so we can you, we can you can further blame me for everything that happened Monday. Cool. Sounds good. Sounds good? Sounds like a plan, man. All right. Uh, yeah, that does it for us. Wraps up a 2019 season. Yeah. I'm going to go eat some Skittles. Eight minus for the uh, season as a whole. Great season. And in fact, this is the season I'll, I'll really remember because I think this season really established, okay, this success is, has longevity. It yes, wasn't just a yes, flash yes, in the pan yes. where you got a great manager and Tata Martino and got, you know, unearthed Miguel Almiron. This, this, this thing has legs and, and this, is, this is a club we're going to hear from for, for years to come. Yeah. Definitely better than Orlando. All right. <laughs> That'll do it for us. Until next week, we'll see you next time, Atlanta. Atlanta.